0: Greetings, shopmates, and welcome to Tinkering Bells, a show about DIY, design, and all things hands-on. The sky's the limit as we talk props, metalwork, cosplay, woodwork, leather, electronics, and so much more. I'm Tamara Robertson, your host, so strap on your tool bounce because we're about to get into some skill sharing, y'all. Today, I'm going to be joined by a maker who is bringing her own ColourPop to the shop. I don't wanna give away too much, but this maker is redefining the carpentry basics. So if that doesn't make you wanna stick around and hear more, then you might be at the wrong podcast. But first, let's go ahead and have our tech talk of the day. So we're going to be talking to a maker today that is putting her personal spin on carpentry tools like the Speed Square. So let's back it up. Where did the Speed Square get its start? Well, the speed square is a triangular shaped measuring tool that's primarily made of metal and has many applications, including measuring angles, marking lumber, creating perpendicular lines, or to simply perform a quick measurement on a rooftop. Like its name states, its primary benefit is that it helps you determine square. That is when one edge or line is exactly 90 degrees or perpendicular to one another. It's able to do this quickly, hence, Speed Square. Now, the Speed Square was actually invented by Albert J. Swanson in 1925, as a carpenter's layout tool. He would later found Swanson Tool Company to produce the Speed Square and Mast. Now, they still actually manufacture and distribute the Speed Square and other carpentry tools in their location in Frankfurt, Illinois. Now, one feature of the Swanson Speed Square is a diamond cutout along the ruler that allows you to square lines and make a notch or bird's mouth for rafter work. Now, while Swanson is the first name and the most popular name in Speed Squares, it isn't the only one. So there's lots of options, whether you want it in metal, plastic, or another material for your work needs. Well, that's it for your tech talk. As always, you can join in on the conversation with my maker friends and me on the Tinkering Bell's Instagram and Twitter pages. Just search for Bell's Tinkering, hit follow and share your DIY adventures together with us. Have a tool you want to learn about? Let me know and it may be featured in a future episode. Tell us what you liked, what you hated or possibly even what we missed. So now we're going to be getting into the main event and I am so excited to introduce you to our next maker. So drum roll, please presenting Alma. Alma, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hi,
1: good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. So first, actually, let me, let me let you uh, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, where they can follow and what they might find when they get there.
1: And then I'm going to ask you a question about the cult. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I'm on, my socials are all, soul studios um and i have a website by the same pink soul studios and mostly i hang out on instagram so that's where you'll see like daily updates and things like that um and i would say the majority of my content is revolves around woodworking or me making something or making a fool out of myself too with diy projects so i try to keep it light so yeah
0: (laughs) i love it so okay I obviously, I'm in, I'm in LA and I grew up in the Carolinas, so I'm used to like warmer, warm, warm shops. So what are some things like when it comes to cold in a shop, are there specific things that you have to be careful of with regards to your tools? I would think like water jets, things like that probably
1: are affected by cold. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, a lot of people just stop. A lot of people that I know that are makers will just actually just stop making in the winter. Um, one of the biggest things that, you know, for woodworking, at least it's a lot of cast iron tabletops. So with the cold and warm, it fluctuating, um, you can get rust on your cast iron. Like that's pretty normal. Um, so yeah, I mean, you want to protect your tools here and like, there's things you can do, um, you know, covering them when you're not going to be in the shop, but, um, they get pretty cold. Like my table saw is really cold to touch, but I also keep my shop, um, heat controlled, I guess I have a, you can see in the background, but I have a mini split and it has a heat pump on it. So I put on the lowest setting and that'll keep it in here around, usually around 50 degrees. Um, yeah, about 50 degrees, anywhere between 40 to 60, depending on how cold it is outside and if it can keep up. But, you know, I also have other, I have a propane, little propane, um, heater to kind of, Help get it warm and then once my machines like my cnc and things like that get going and then it gets a little too warm in here so (laughs) is there anything like i like my background is more
0: on the metal side um but with wood does does the actual temperature of the wood at all affect how you can work with it or is it like pretty pretty okay it's more
1: moisture yeah it's i would say it's more moisture varied which you know with your if you're in and out of your shop um especially in the winter. So you're heating it because you're in it, but then you're, you know, a lot of folks might use the big door and open it. Like you're still letting that cold air, which can create condensation. And then that's bad for your wood as well. So like I keep a dehumidifier in my shop and, you know, all that making sure that the humidity, humidity level is good. I I use a lot of hardwoods um, and plywoods too. It'll affect that as well. But um, yeah, you just want to make sure that you're not creating a drastic change all the time because it could uh, essentially affect your, the wood that you're working with.
0: That's very true. see I, in LA, we don't have heat or AC in most of the units here, like, cause most of them are really old. So yeah. like the thought of like having that in my garage, I'm like, man, that would, that would be great. It'd be great to have in my house. <laughs> so I'm very used to the little space heaters. <laughs> right. um, okay. So, right. so you, you talked about uh, like the, your brand, Pink Soul Studios, and I noticed that you, you love to bring that pop of color of pink in. Um, oh, yeah. So can you share with us like, just the ideation and creation of, of your brand and your brand name?
1: Sure. Um, so Pink Soul Studios is, it's actually just my name. Um, my first name is Alma, and it uh, translates from Spanish into soul. And then my middle name is Rosa, and that's pink. Um, In Spanish. So I just put the two together, Pink Soul. um, And then studios, it just sounded better. (laughs) Like it was like, I didn't want to put myself necessarily in one, you know, little box. Um, I like making stuff. Um, So it's kind of like, I felt like it was a a good umbrella kind of to be under, like a studios type of thing where I could kind of venture out if I wanted to. Um, Mostly I do woodworking though, but yeah, that's where it comes from. Pink Soul is my name. (laughs) I think it's crazy that pink tools at the store get overpriced because they're, you know, marketed towards women they're like, oh, these are for women. So we're gonna, you know, they're the exact same thing, but we're gonna charge more. Um, so that bugs me and that color pink bugs me, but like, it's gotta be a certain pink for me to really be into it. But I just, I do love color, like so.
0: <laughs> I like, it. yeah, yeah, that pink tax. And it's something, um, you know, just just being, a female maker the fact that you can only sometimes get stuff that's sized for us in that right. pink you know and yeah. it, it's, it would be one thing if it was like you know how like NFL leagues now have the pink version of the jersey that moves completely away from the sports team colors right. which I have a whole like thing about like if you're right. if you're a team fan you should be in the team colors or whatever but right, at right. least it's a secondary option you can still get the female jerseys and the actual color but there's some brands that like the only female version is in that pink. And that's yep. where it's like, okay, well, that's not, you know, like we need, we need PPE. We need workwear, you know, so. Right, right, I've been right. So happy lately to see the expansion of more brands into like women's lines that, you know, aren't just the pink tax kind of. Exactly,
1: exactly. Like, I mean, I think it wasn't too long ago that it was really hard to get even work boots yep. that were like a normal work boot um, without a heel, you know, like the, like a back three inch heel or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I remember, especially when I was younger, I remember it being like a big deal. My mom was always, she was a, a, a maker too. I'd say I loved gardening and things like that. And, and I remember her like telling me like, this is so, I can't buy shoes. Like she had smaller feet. So she's like, I can't fit into the like men's shoes, but that's the only thing that you could really do. And so it is really nice now that you can buy, they're like expanding more, you know, where you can buy normal looking work boots in a woman's size, you know, like that's, that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. I had, I had that same problem because like in engineering, most of my female counterparts would just buy the men's, but I'm in boys sizes. And so they don't really make steel toes for little boys. And so right, it was always right this is always this problem where like the only ones I could get were like the bright and I would, I would just dye them. I would get shoe dye and I would like change. I was like, I'm not going to wear, it's hard enough to be a, a female on a, on a work site without right. like, walking around in you know, bright pink colors. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing, even with the high vis wear, like, and it's still a problem that I see like with bunnies, like the full back bunny suits and the high vis wear, it's almost all like in the large sizes, you can get it at a decent price. The minute you need smaller sizes, it suddenly is, like, twice the cost. It's and so crazy. It's it's always really fun. Like, I do um, massive mold remediations here and, like, Beverly Hills and stuff. And I'm having to wear bunny suits that are so big that I'm duct taping them. And I, oh. it's, like, when you're walking on, on like, rafters and floor joists 10 stories up, like, that's... It's not ideal to be in stuff that's so right. so big and oversized. But cost too much for them to, yeah, to get exactly. the stuff that fits so but, crazy but actually I'm um, speaking about like the kid side of things so you actually do a lot of building with your son in your shop what is that um, what is that like to kind of pass that pass that on
1: yeah so I will say when he was younger I was really lucky that he was so interested I could kind of give him just anything now you know like a, a piece of wood and some nails and a hammer it was like his favorite thing I just sit there. So in the summer, it's really great. He will still come out and kind of help me. But now that he's a little bit older, he's eight now. So he's Mister Gamer now. It's um, he kind of puts his order in, uh, you know, what he wants. Like I would like this desk that's you know my gamer desk, and I want this room to be my gamer room. And so he'll he'll just order it up now to tell me you know how to build it and and um, you know what to build. And um, he's also really interested in the more interested now in the the content creation side of things. Um, so he is always begging to be like the cameraman and the, the, uh, director, you know, and he'll tell me like, well, that's not how, you know, he'll compare me to, you know, uh, our friend, uh, like Aaron from maker gray. He'll say, you know, that's not how Aaron does it in her videos. You, you have to go like this, you know, you have to tell them. And I'm like, you're hilarious. Like, so he's, he's not building as much with me anymore, but he still wants to be involved. Um, as long as it doesn't interrupt his gaming, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's cute though. So, so he's kind of
0: becoming uh, more of the designer and the producer, you know, because like yeah. even, even on Mythbusters, our producers would know what kind of builds they wanted to see and what oh, kind yeah. of shows. like, granted, they didn't, they didn't actually know how to build any of the things. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to explain, well, that's going to cost you a lot more than the budget.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah.
0: But that it's good, you know, um, young content creators uh, getting to see both sides of the camera with them is, is really good, you know, because I deal with a lot of like young girls that, that want to be in front of the camera and, and a lot, um, but they also want to be able to build. And then there's the girls that yeah. get shy and they're like, well, I don't want to be in front of the camera. So teaching them like about the behind the camera stuff is oh, always right. really fun. Um, so it, it does. It's one of those things that helps with marketing, you know? I mean, I'm sure, yeah. you know, like it gets your brand out there more. It it helps you to expand, especially if you're selling products, the the reach of your products. And and you do your reels so well. Like you, oh, you've thanks. got like, your personality is so in it. And I think that's what I love <laughs> about the reels is like, I get to see you not just as the maker that's making the thing, but like the music is telling me about your personality, the like shot right. choice, all of that. <laughs> So do you have like, do you have like inspirations for your reels? Is it like the music inspires you to do a thing or the thing inspires you to pick the music or is it just kind of all you up in the mix?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think for me, like it's, it is really important for me to have my personality come through. Um, It took me a long time to get to the point to where I am now. Um, I think for me, just being, a minority. I, it, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican and, and my grandparents migrated here. So it was always like, you know, don't make a big fuss, things like that. So I always had that mentality of like, oh, I don't want to be in front of the camera. And I was always kind of shy too. And um, it became important to me when people kind of did see who I was and, and would DM me and say like, so cool that like, you're Mexican. You look like me, right? That whole representation mm-hmm. matters type thing, right? So I had that happening probably, I'd say like two, three years ago, and I started to try to get more comfortable. Um, and I think where I am now is it is it is really important to kind of see who I am. I don't necessarily follow the the trends. Um, I, it's hard though because some of them are really funny, and you're like, oh, I co- I want to do that too. And so if it is really funny, like I'll do it. But um, I try to just be like. I think this would be funny, you know, like, this is just my life, right? Like, you know, like the last one I did about, you know, the bathroom runner that I'm doing, like, my face says it all, you know, and then my kids singing in the background, like, um, you know, it's, I think it, I think it's more fun that way. And that's what people want to see, you know, Um, is they want to see what you're doing and who you are and who you really are, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I, I think I try to make it, for me and for like I picture like certain friends and family who I think would 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 laugh about it and I, that's the only way that I've been able to really put myself in front of the camera and do like the crazy ridiculous things that I've done because I'm like oh this would really make you know my wife laugh or this would really make you know Katie laugh like I'm gonna do it you know <laughs> so um, I think that's what's fun about it and yeah so that's what I do just, just trying to have fun. <laughs> I love it. And, and what you're
0: talking about with the representation is, is, such a big piece of it. Right. And that's, that's the one thing, you know, when I feel like when makers first came on the Instagram scene, it was only like, here's, the, here's the piece, here's the piece. And maybe sometimes you'd get hands in the photos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we got to this point where like, I think maker events started to really get bigger, like more than just localized, like the bigger events started happening. And so people started to realize that when you don't show your face, you show up to these events and people have no idea who you are. And so then people started kind of sprinkling in their faces to be able to like before an event to like be like, oh, this is my face, you know, when I get there. (laughs) But now, I, I don't know if it's, you know, because of the pandemic, because we all really just have been isolated and wanted that connection, but I feel like makers are really starting to to come out more and show themselves more. And the one thing that I have loved is that the face of making is finally starting to reflect the faces of our nation. And, yeah. and it's been such a beautiful thing to see all of the ways that kids now are connecting with people because they're able to find people that remind them of them or that look like them and the importance of that. Um, so I just have to say, like, I, I know like the getting in front of the camera can always be a hard thing, but you know, it's it's so great that you're able to like be there to represent. So like little kids can get excited about wanting to make and they don't feel like there's only one, one type of maker, you know?
1: Sure, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is there any advice that you would give to someone uh, that you wish that when you had first started as a maker, that you had? Like at the beginning of your maker career, like the one thing that you're like, man, if I had learned that like five years sooner, my I would have, I would have been on a a faster trajectory.
1: (laughs) Um I think, I mean, I think just what we talked about, like not being afraid to be in front of the camera and showing my personality versus you know, you're right. Like we all just showed what we made, like, this is what we made, you know, and we might've showed, you know, how it was done or a quick, you know, when videos finally came out, I was like this quick video of it or whatever. Um, but I think not being afraid of actually putting myself out there sooner. Um, yeah, I think that would have been a lot more helpful for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just that, just not being afraid and kind of just going for it. Yeah, I think I think
0: that's something too. Just um, the difference between like the big box stores and and like Etsy and you know these home shops is that personal touch point. And so mm-hmm. getting to know you know who you're supporting when you buy a product, I think is so important, especially nowadays. Um, as we've seen so many like small mom and pop shops close up because of yeah. COVID. Like we all are wanting to support like. The human behind the builds, right. and so I, I think you're right. Like get, putting yourself out there, letting your brand be, and and that's something that even even me, like when I when I first started with the Mythbusters franchise, like I I kept a lot of who I am closeted, and I'm I'm just now really starting to share a lot of um, of the things that define who I truly am. You know, and I was like, oh you're in the public eye, you got to hide all this stuff, you know, and yeah. and um not being afraid to, to own your quirky is what I tell you. Exactly. Exactly. Just own it. Like we're all weird in some way, you know, and that's all a bunch of (laughs) weirdos. We really are. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, and I think that that's something that kids, because, you know, because now, you know, we had growing up, we had billboards, right. And we had magazines that were on store shelves, that we would see and th- that would warp our sense of who we were and who we were right. supposed to be. Right. And now it's like, kids have it from every direction, you know, they have, they have, well, this is what's trending. This is what people are liking. They have so much pressure from so many different places. It's, it's yeah. on, it's on the TV, it's on the internet streaming, it's on the TikTok. it's on the Instagram, you know, like, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, that the pressure to like conform, but in reality, like we know as people on, on Instagram trying to define our brand, it's actually finding that niche that you are, that, that small part that you represent that then other people can flock to is, right. is going to be more powerful than adopting yeah. the mainstream vibe and look and everything. And even the, even the trends, like you were saying, making <laughs> it your own is what right. makes it great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I think that's something that, that is actually exactly what I struggle with right now with my son you know he watches these gamers on YouTube and um and not just gamers but you know he watches his YouTube kids and um all these characters and you know a lot of them they're catering towards kids right so you know they'll they'll scream or make up these scenes that happen and um suddenly my son is like running around the house like screaming and I'm like whoa you're not a YouTuber dude like you don't have to scream here like no (laughs) one's paying you to scream you know And just trying to make him understand like, this is what they look like on YouTube, right? Like, and he's like, well, you gotta like and subscribe. Like, you know, I have, I need followers. Like he really wants a YouTube channel. And um, so we've started to make like little videos of him like with his Legos, like he loves building Legos and things like that. So, um, but it's really hard to get him to understand that like, that's not what it's all about, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And I think it's even harder because then, you know, for a while I was chasing the follows and the likes and, you know, things like that. And um, it gets, I feel like it gets in your head. And so making, making sure that my son understands like, look, you know, I was doing that too. And and it, I grew so much faster when I just didn't worry about those things. And I just, like you said, like became into my own self and, be, you know, made my content my own. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a struggle for, for parents, like to have to, try to make sure that your, your kids don't worry about those things, you know, when they're seeing it all the time on YouTube and all these different, you know, channels and things, but, you know, I don't know. No, and I I think, I think one
0: of the disconnects, um, and I talk, I talk to kids, uh, that I do acting classes for, um, with, like, it's one of those things that when you're on a scripted thing, you know, that you're a character. And when I'm watching a scripted thing, I know, that that's a character. I know that that's not that human, but social media and especially YouTube really starts to blur that line. Um, because if you, if you look at a lot of the largest, um, you know, numbers when it, especially gamers, especially when you get into like the pop culture, like people, like they have developed characters that they use, And it's not, it's not them. You know, I know a large number of YouTubers, especially living in LA. You know, we had, um, one of my co-stars on Mythbusters is a YouTuber and he's there. Well, there's two of them. There were two that were on Mythbusters A search. They were both YouTubers. One of them is exactly the same. He is that over the top crazy all the time. (laughs) The other one is completely quiet he oh, well. he does bursts of energy and then he goes and he hides and he like hermit heals and then he comes back and he bursts of energy <laughs> and and he says he's like I only have a certain number of words and a certain amount of energy I use it where I get paid I don't when I'm not and it's oh, like wow. a very intriguing thing to watch like the difference between this is a character and this is not and like even yeah even for like when I went on um, Mythbusters, a search, which was a reality show. And it was the first time like on television as myself and not as a character. Um, right. I created a persona because I was yeah. like, people are going to attack this no matter what. So I want to <laughs> ensure I protect me. Yeah. And, and there's a vulnerability when we start to like truly own who we are. Um, yeah. But it also, I think, sets a better example for kids when yeah. we are who we are. You know, I, I just had a really good friend of mine um, kind of have a having a coming to Jesus moment with me uh, this week. And she's like, you got to stop using the filters. And I only uh. use them when I do the Instagram stories. And it's mostly because I wake up and I don't have an like I haven't done anything. And I'm like, okay, it's easier yeah. to do this than like invest the time in a bathroom trying to figure out makeup, which I can't figure <laughs> oh, out. Um, nice. So I'm like- I'm like, no, but it's easier. And she's like, yeah, but think of all the little girls that are watching that feel like, like maybe your face <laughs> yeah. isn't enough. And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't do it in my science video. I don't do it. <laughs> right. Like it's only in the- And she's like, still like, you know, like own your skin, own your, you know, own who you yeah. are. And um, I think it is something that we all, we, I'm hoping that some of these things like removing the number of likes and, and starting yeah. to like look at engagement instead of number right. of followers. Like right. I'm hoping this kind of stuff from a business side is going to help uh, start to change this. Yeah. But, but I think it's kind of like when the TV industry had to finally admit like, hey, we need to not have a Marlboro Man on anymore because kids are right. thinking that that's, that's the cool thing to do like i'm hoping that that social responsibility piece starts to come come into to youtube and and all of these social media channels because you know we we all know that they're doing social engineering we all know that they're right. they're working on how to figure out how to keep us on the platform longer and all of that but you know it it is shaping the our our future generations and and some of it is really crazy like i don't know if you um you saw this but so TikTok decided they wanted to, um, or on TikTok there was this form that they decided they wanted to destigmatize Tourette's, and so, um, which was great. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful messaging. So people were yeah. sharing their um, their days uh, as as humans with Tourette's, and suddenly within the nation. So normally Tourette's is a is a syndrome that's onset is with boys and usually it's in middle school like the predominant cases are boys it's younger elementary middle school kind of onset sudden and and it may be like a case every month or something we'll say like they suddenly were having multiple cases each week with high school girls Oh wow! and they they couldn't figure out what's going on suddenly these girls were having major tics like major things that like don't just usually happen overnight. Like it's usually a progressive syndrome where you you're a little bit and then it gets worse. So these doctors, I mean, all Mayo Clinic was studying and all these doctors were studying across the nation because they were just seeing this massive thing and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And of course we had this pandemic going on. So they're like, is this something related to that? Um, and it turned out that the only commonality between all of these girls was a massive ingestion of TikTok. And almost all of them were watching these Tourette's videos. And so a lot of ticks are something that like, and families of Tourette's people, they, they know this too, that you can pick up ticks If you see oh, them wow. a lot, if you're exposed to them, it becomes something that you just naturally start to do. It's kind of like, if, if you're around someone that says like all the time, you suddenly are saying right. like all the time when you leave them. Right, right. Um, and so It was something that they then were able to start reversing. You know, there's a lot, you have to go through behavioral physical therapy where you're like, okay, this is a tick right now. My body is not actually convulsing. I can like, I can control this. And you start to like work with the patients, just like you would with Tourette's um, patients to try to minimize the impact on their life. But like these, like that's an extreme ramification of social media, right? But like, that's the level to which these things are starting to really affect the, this younger generation that instead of living on TV as an escape, are are living online. So it's wow, it's interesting. So interesting. I, like, <laughs> I wrote my niece and I was like, please don't watch these videos. I love you. Like, if you want to oh, learn wow. about it, please like read medical journals and learn about the actual like disorder and, and see that, you know. But um, it is something that like, it's like, in theory, a beautiful thing to do, you yeah, know, and, and yeah. having no idea that that would be that large of an
1: effect, you know? Right. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm going to have to read more about that. That's so crazy.
0: Yeah. I'll say, yeah. I can send you the articles because it was something that I was yeah, like, please.
1: really interesting.
0: So I like sent them to my yeah. niece so that she can, I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not trying. Cause I did try to get her off TikTok at first. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you should not be on TikTok because <laughs> she was doing all the dances, but
1: wearing tutus. And I'm like, you are 12. <laughs> get off get off the ticket but but know, no, my not. son begs me he's always like can, can we get a tiktok meeting? And we're like no you cannot be on tiktok like, <laughs> we will show you videos you know we will you know show you the dog videos I love tiktok dog videos like each night oh, like right, I'll watch so cute great. dog videos yeah, I know, right <laughs> It's funny
0: though, because if you go to YouTube and you look up funny dog videos, it ends up just being compilations of all the TikTok videos. And you're like, well, right, I've already yeah. seen these. I came here to yeah, get new exactly. stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of things that kind of, you know, shape who we are and define who we are, I know that you you follow this old house. I grew up on this old house. Like, um, what, what are some, like, inspirations that, like, watching these og makers kind of brought into
1: your life oh man i mean this old house was huge for me like um tom silva and and, like all those guys they were like such a part of my life growing up um and i think that is really um that's really what got me here because i mean i'm older so i we didn't have youtube when i was younger you know it was not a thing and like um, it was PBS with all of their different, and I, I can't think of the other guy's name. It, it, it's on the top of my tongue right now. Bob Vila? De- uh, well, Bob Vila, yeah, of course. Yeah. But the woodworking guy, the, um, oh my God. I'm so terrible that I can't remember his name, but he's the, the older guy, Was where's the cap? He would do like um, a lot of hand tooling and things like that. Like, uh, But yeah, all those PBS shows is really what got me to be comfortable with it, which I think, at that time, like it was so, it wasn't normal for a girl to just do these things when I was younger. Like my grandparents, I remember needed their house painted and I was, I think, barely 20 years old. Um, And I'm like, I'll paint your house. There's this old, beautiful, old Detroit farmhouse. I, I grew up in Southwest Detroit. So it's beautiful, old Detroit farmhouse. And my grandfather, you know, this Mexican barely spoke English was like, no you can't paint this house like you're a girl you know what I'm like what I'm totally painting this house and <laughs> it was the worst idea I've ever had it's this you know this giant old farmhouse and you know we like it's just not one story like the second story is like three stories high you know so climbing up on this these, lad- these old wooden ladders like it was a terrible idea but um I think for me, like watching all these shows and like they made it so easy to DIY and easy to like, you know, I learned how to tile. Like that's how I learned tiling was watching all these old shows like Bob Vila, you know, and, um, and I feel like those shows really gave me that confidence to, to do it because it wasn't about like, you know, this is how, how men do it or this is how, you know, you should do it this way. It was just about doing it. Like this is just how, how you do it if you want to start, start here. Um, So yeah, I think like those shows definitely shaped me growing up. PBS was like definitely, you know, shaped me on, on how to make, you know, I I bought my house when I was really young. I was 24, I think when I bought my first house in Detroit and um, I couldn't afford anything else. So, you know, I made what I could, you know, we garbage picked and we, you know, restored furniture and learned how to restore furniture because I watched, you know, this old house or, you know, Bob Vila and and like, yeah, like it just, it just, I never really thought of it until I got older. I was like, how can I learn how to do all this stuff? Like, and it was, it was just watching those TV shows and going back and finding the books, right? Like in the library, I was the one that was in like the, you know, they had like a section like this big on like plumbing. It was all like the big, like encyclopedia style books, you know, like one book for, you know, plumbing and one book for um I think the other one like I had was the tiling book um but yeah like that's I remember checking out books and like figuring out how to do it that way but yeah that's that's how I learned everything and then YouTube right like YouTube was like (laughs) like oh my god all these people are doing it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like I I do remember the books so like my my dad had this series and it was like everything from like how to hand carve to how to make yeah. like joints how to like do all of the home improvement kind of things and yep. i don't like know s- series yeah and it was something that i think it came from one of the maker shows on pbs it was like something that you could get and i remember like my whole life i was like i can't wait till i get those like those are gonna yeah. be mine one day and then my sister took them and i'm like oh, no. what you grew up doing, you, like, she was the one that was always inside doing the makeup and the clothes, and I'm like, what? I want to go, why do you get those? You don't even, but now she does. I knew like, she, she would she, need
1: them.
0: Well, she, like, she does, and she uses them. Like, it's crazy. she does the same thing. Like, she, you know, she, they got this little farmhouse in the mountains of North Carolina, and she, you know, while, while pregnant, while raising the, you know, the babies was just, like, rebuilding everything. Like, she took nesting to, like, the core of the house (laughs) She's like I'm gonna nest in this room but first I'm gonna rip everything out and start from the and I was like "But you don't even know how to do those things she's like it's fine I have these books and that's when I found out books I was like you have them (laughs) but it was you know it was so neat to see um her do all of the things of like our like my childhood because my dad was like always like gutting and flipping houses before oh, right. it was a thing because you know he was military background so it was like the side hustle and right. so like I was always the little hands pulling pulling electrical wire and doing right. plumbing and like ble- like drywall in my sleep now um and so like <laughs> she would never help though especially when we got to masonry work she was she would sit there and look at her hands as mine are like getting sucked dry and cracking right. and right. like no, my nails, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was cool to see her like step into her power, and like yeah. I think honestly, I saw her confidence like grow so much. Yeah. and I, I think it's one of those things that like it, when you put a tool in someone's hand and and like let them figure out what
1: they're actually capable of, it can be just super life changing. Oh um, yeah. It's- it's amazing. And it's awesome to like watch that happen too, you know, yeah. especially when somebody where you're like, oh, they would never, you know, pick up a power tool or whatever. And, um, and then they do, and you're there for it. Like, it's so cool to, to watch. It's empowering, I think on both ends.
0: Yeah. Like to get to teach them the skill, which helps you like <laughs> reinforce it. And also like maybe find some things you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't actually know why that happens. Let me, let me (laughs) learn too. But then also getting to, to see them like excitedly own that moment. The only thing that worries me about, um, YouTube that you don't get that you got with the PBS shows is the safety
1: aspects. Right.
0: So there's like this veil where people don't lift it to explain like, Oh, like, we're doing an explosion, but I also have a bomb expert here and we did small scale first. And you know that we're this far away and like all of these things, like you, you don't have that part of it, which scares me a little bit. Um, though, I think the way that we got kind of that, uh, that lessons learned was, uh, did you ever watch the show home improvement? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, and watching Tim the tool man Taylor constantly electrocute himself, everything yeah. else. Like, and my dad would always use those as like moments to be like, Yeah, you don't, you don't put, the, you don't have it plugged in when you put the potato into the socket to pull right. the light bulb out, you know, like right, all the right. fun stuff. Like, I think that's how we learned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, cool. So, is there any, like, is there a any next big project or next skill that you're hoping to like add to your belt this year? Um,
1: you know i I think for me like the pandemic really for me at least kind of put me pushed me back we you know our my son was out of school and then we decided to homeschool this what what year whatever year of the pandemic we're in we decided to homeschool for the first half of it um, so I feel like that really put kind of a damper on, I I put a hold on like my business side and like content creating side. And, um, so for me, like now he's back in school because we're all, you know, vaccinated and he's good and safe. So he's in school again. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's, um, just getting back into like trying to get the business going just a little bit more and creating more content. Now, um, I'd like to do more of that and, um, partner with more brands and and things and make this more of, you know, a business versus just, you know, hobby. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think for me, that's, that, that, that would be the the big thing. Um, tool wise, I don't really have, um, anything. I mean, I'm always wanting more tools. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my wife is always like, so is that the last like dream tool of yours? I'm like, (sighs) <laughs> There's all kinds of drink you know, like that's not even a question you should ask. So um yeah, I mean I, I don't I don't know, I don't see anything right for this year. Like I, I always say I want to get into welding again, um, but you know, I think it my shop is really small and that would be a little bit difficult for now, but but for now it's just growing the the business and uh, doing more things on that end.
0: Like, and I see, I see you've got your Carhartt branding on and I I, I was, I was talking, um, to Sammy from avid CNC and like, we were talking about you as well. So like, like lots, lots, lots of, lots of great brand partnerships already, but looking to grow those. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm super, I feel super fortunate. Um, avid Sammy's amazing and avid has been a great company to, to partner with. And, um, yeah, like I, I feel very fortunate about the the brands that I've that I've been able to to again like kind of a, be an ambassador for and so it's cool.
0: Yeah. And i um everyone that's listening, uh we I'll share all the links, all the connections so you can go and you can uh check out, you know, what Alma's up to as well as what the products are <laughs> doing. So actually speaking about mass manufacturing, I just realized that there was one thing I wanted to ask you about that I haven't so you actually do these really cool custom like speed squares and push sticks and mallets, like, which I think is so cool because you're making kind of traditional carpentry tools your own. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so what's, what started that for you?
1: Oh yeah. So I think, you know, for me, I got into CNC a couple couple of years ago and I wanted to make money with it. Like I wanted to pay it off and um, it, became really obvious really quick when I made my first push stick and I customized it for someone um and I like I think the first one I made was um a hand plane um and it was like in the shape of an old hand plane but it was a push stick for you know a table saw and then the next one was like somebody wanted roses and so I made like a bouquet of roses like as a push stick and you know there were like all these really weird like a train and and then I became like the push stick lady and. But because I could customize it as well, I could make them all these crazy shapes. And and um, and um some people just wanted like a normal push stick, but just with their logo. Like not a lot of people at the time were, you know, one had CNC's, but, but also they weren't like customizing, they didn't think about that. So then uh, my market became my peers, my maker friends, right? Um, and from there it was like, okay, well, we've done the push sticks. What else could I do? But also customize that they would, you know, Need not just for the sake of like making a sale, but like what could be really useful and um, custom squares came into hand, and then um, mallets were just uh, kind of an idea because people were making a lot of mallets at the time, and I was like, how can I make this on the CNC to make it faster, but also make it more like still look traditional? Um, and so I came up with a quick sketch and plan and made it, and it and it worked. And for a while, I was giving out um, like do-it-yourself mallet kits where like all the pieces were cut and they all fit together so when you got it home you just put it together Um, and then you had like a very traditional looking wood mallet Um, but yeah I think for me it just was like well this then it became just fun like to be able to partner with other makers like I've partnered with uh, Monica from House of Espansa and we made um, hammers that were just uh, engraved with her her like her tagline and her logo um and some speed squares that I engraved for her um yeah so I think like then it became like um it's really cool I feel to be able to collaborate with other makers um I have the tools to do it and um you know to see what what I could do to help them grow their brand is also like that's really exciting as well like and um so Yeah. I mean, I think from there, it just, it kind of just grew like, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it just grows. It's fun. For me, it's fun. Like, honestly, like collaborating with other makers and coming up with ideas. And if I can't do it, if it's something that I physically can't do in my shop or don't have the time, like I'm happy to partner and give them like another maker's name, like, and happy to pass the job along, like, and say like, nope, I can't do that. But I know somebody that is really good and they could do that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hope to, like, be able to collaborate more with people. I love it, too, because it's
0: something that gets really important. And this is, like, the, you know, the the not great part about the content creation is so much stuff gets stolen and borrowed. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, by using these custom items, they now are ensuring their brand is in every moment. And right. I think that's something that is is sadly thing we have to think about and, and by having these branded items, not only are they bringing a little bit of themselves into everything, but they're also now without even having to think about it, safeguarding their IP, you know, content
1: creation stuff. So. Yeah. 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 I think it, it goes back to, to that, um, you know, the idea of, of people want to have access to you right on these platforms. Like, and you know, like we've talked about, like, putting ourselves in front of the camera like we found after a few years of like it just being photos of our product like we found that people the algorithm says they want to see your face right or your person Mm. in the in front of in the picture in the video and um and I think your audience too like they want to see you they want to get to know you so they're gonna you know if you put out a a push stick that's you know pink soul studios push stick um somebody's gonna want to buy it right and so I have partnered with different makers too and that where I will cut and their design and their logo and they sell you know they're pushed it to their audience um or their whatever their squares whatever it is you know hammers things like that but um yeah I think that then becomes a whole another market for that that people that we didn't think about before you know um but yeah they want access to you they want to support right and we want to still support these makers so it's mm-hmm. usually other makers supporting you know other make which is so cool too to like to see that. Um, so yeah, I think there's, it's, it's really cool to see all that. Yeah. It's, it's something
0: that like, so I do, I have my show maker science, um, where I like go into meet with an artisanal expert and explain the science behind it. And like every single episode, like, I mean, I'm in my car heart, like hat and bomber and leggings, but every time I have a different maker's shirt on and it's (laughs) like, I'm like, I just want, I want to like, even though that's not the maker that's here, I want to bring as many makers up as, as I can. And I think that's the cool thing about this community is that, you know, it is so collaborative. We, we yeah. all want to like, like my ideal is like once COVID is over, like get in my element and just drive and like work with every single person along the way and like make it an annual like road trip of making, you know, like, oh, that'd be so awesome. It'd <laughs> be so fun, you know, I'm like, but but you know, COVID. So
1: <laughs> that was my original
0: 2020 plan was to, to do this. I had I like, I had approval from like so many people to come and like couch surf. And then I was like, well, okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. We all had such big plans in 2020, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were
0: all like on the cusp of the greatness. Oh, and now no. we're like, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I tell people it's like, it's like, we've just been storing our energy. So right now we have all of this potential energy built up. And like, so as soon as it's ready, we're just, it's going to spring and we're going to go and it's going to be great. You know, I just hope it's, I hope our energy gets really sooner rather than later. (laughs) I know, I know it's
1: getting, it's getting really tough.
0: Um, And so there's one question that I ask every guest that comes and that is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, wow. That is such a good question. Any superpower. I think for me, it changes, like depending on the day. Um,
0: <laughs> I <laughs> like think that you know, like,
1: I think Mystique gets to change her superpowers, right? Based on who she embodies. See, like, so. <laughs> yeah, that that I think would be like so cool to, to be able to just, you know, change it every day. But I, I think for me, my superpower would probably probably be I think stop time is that a superpower yeah like yeah. to like freeze time for even if it's for a little bit but um and then like do something really fast and then keep it going <laughs> like I think that would be um my superpower like, freezing time for a minute um I yeah. can't think of like the the character but yeah Yes
0: yeah,
1: so on un- on Nadia
0: Pym, she actually has this um, crystal that she'll she'll shrink down into and time is like slower in there because everything's small so she can live for like weeks in in her lab inventing and doing and she's only gone that for would like, be a amazing. couple minutes the only yeah. thing that i've always wondered and i've wondered about her is is would you age would aging slow down because you're still you're still moving forward and doing all these things. So like wear and tear on the body is still happening. Cognitive abilities are still growing, you know? So would you, would your cellular structure break down at the same rate and age you? That's Mm. always.
1: Yeah, that is a good question. But I do like that concept that you could like, like hide away and freeze time. Like that would be perfect. Like I would squirrel away into my shop and like build all the things, but I wouldn't miss out on, you know hanging out with a family or running errands or things like that you know like that would be
0: great (laughs) and she has like the particles so like if she builds something really cool she can grow it and and bring it out with her that's that's the part to me Uh, that's really cool because it doesn't have to stay tiny and never get seen you'd be like I just mass manufactured all these cool things (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so Well, awesome. This has been so amazing. Thank you for sharing like all your creativity and your voice and everything today. Um, And like I said, everyone, all the links are going to be in the show notes. So make sure to go and follow along all of the adventures at Pink Soul Studios with Alma.
1: And thank you. This has been so fun. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. This has been fun. (laughs) So great to meet you. (laughs) face-to-face.
0: Yeah, face. <laughs> yes, I can't wait to meet in person.
1: <laughs> I know, right? right?
0: <laughs> That's it for Tinkering Bells. This episode is assembled and ready for delivery. I want to thank you for choosing Tinkering Bells as your user's manual for all things Maker on a bi-weekly basis. If you want to continue to hear more, don't forget to rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice, as well as sharing it with your friends. I look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, don't forget to keep making.